Welcome to Pixel It, a podcast about reading books adapted from video games. Because the only thing better than playing a video game is reading about one. I'm Kevin the Arcadeologist, along with Phil the Conquistador, and today we'll be discussing the opening chapters of S.T. Perry's Resident Evil The Umbrella Conspiracy. As a content warning, there will be spoilers and descriptions of gore in this episode. And now, on with the show. Phil, you mentioned that you had done a little research, brief research, into S.D. Perry. Can you tell me a little bit about her? Yes, I'm actually really kind of excited about this because not only did I read a few of these Resident Evil novelizations when I was a teen, uh, but S.D. Perry and her dad, Steve Perry, actually wrote uh, a bunch of Aliens and Predator and Aliens versus Predator novels and uh, wrote all seven of these original Resident Evil uh, novelizations, which sometimes are based on one of the video games and sometimes are actual original novels. Uh, So uh, in this case, where we are reading a novel based on the first Resident Evil video game, which I never finished. You never finished the first game? I never finished it, yeah. Uh, I even have the remake. I kept telling myself I was going to play it while I was reading this, but uh, there's no evidence that that actually happened. The book starts with a prologue, and it it starts out with kind of like the classic, uh, it's like newspaper clippings prologue. Uh, To be honest, it's not that different from the way the game starts out. If I recall correctly, it kind of starts out with a a voiceover and and ominous talking about these bizarre murders that have happened in the Arclay Mountains uh, on the outskirts of, of Raccoon Maybe, City. Uh, the clippings, like, the, they, they hint at these cannibal murders that are happening out there, uh, different bodies that have been found, and, and vague speculation on what could be causing all of this. It's actually, i got to be honest, a pretty decent kind of prologue for, you know, what we're going to get into. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice way to to get the the book started. My feelings on 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 the book going forward after that, you know, it it goes up and down. But I, it starts out on a <laughs> precisely. We've got to say something nice about it right off the bat. Let's it's compliment sandwich exactly. But it it acts as kind of like the lore dump for yeah. for what we're we're heading into obviously whatever's in the books can't be necessarily considered quote unquote canon for the video game series because it's you know the games dictate their own canon sure uh, i've noted i did notice though that that it did provide a little bit of extra of extra context that's never really provided in the games as to what the stars organization is in the games themselves stars always kind of seemed like oh well we don't want to call them swat so we're calling them stars you know what i mean (laughs) yeah but but you know what we're doing wink wink nudge nudge in this book version of the universe stars is its own privately funded organization like paramilitary organization that works with the police they're mercs, yeah. and it's problem. It's problematic on a whole other level of cop relationship. They do have some disparaging remarks for the local uh, Raccoon City Police Department uh, in here that that are actually kind of more politically charged when read nowadays than I'm sure they were meant to be in '96. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they. It certainly it is kind of funny looking back at this book that was written. 
you know, 23 or so years ago and uh, reading some of the things that they say about the, the Raccoon City Police Department and the, the police chief and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's a, little, it's a little awkward reading this now. There are actually a lot. And I made a point of, of, of noting a few of them. And I'm sure you did the same thing. There are actually a lot of moments in this book that I was just like, oh, boy, this is not going to age well. <laughs> you, know, you have no idea how not well this is going to age. Right into chapter one, um, we're following the perspective of one Jill Valentine. And, Jill um, Valentine. Jill Valentine, everybody's favorite. Um, one of the things that is never really dealt with in the Resident Evil franchise is thorough backstories for the characters. Absolutely not. So all you really know about Jill is she's in her early 20s and she's a member of Stars. When we first meet her in Resident Evil 1, you never really learn much beyond that. The book actually does an interesting job of kind of fleshing her out a little bit more that she is the daughter of some master thief named Dick Valentine. He's a master yes. thief. He's the best of the best, except he got caught. It's very romantic. It it's is very European art thief. Ex- you know the way they describe it. exactly, which you really don't you really don't get nowadays. <laughs> no, it's a shame. It's one of the first things that doesn't age well. We just don't have. We do not have vaguely. European art thieves on the scale that we used to. We don't have the cat burglars that we can really look up to anymore. And uh, gentleman thief, the gentleman thief. You know, when I was a kid, I really thought that that was a valid profession that you know you could oh, yeah. go to trade school for. You know, uh, I actually was planning on becoming a, a professor. That's what you know. That's actually when we met. We met in grad school. I wanted to be a professor, and uh, if that wasn't going to work out. I wanted to be a gentleman thief. And unfortunately, these days, both of those career paths are not exactly the fun time frolics that they used to be. No. Well, I think I think the thief would probably be better, better use of your time than being a professor. The pay is better, too. Yeah, I I, I thought it was really interesting the way they did her, because um, it's like kind of like she she's this former criminal as her her dad was, you know, teaching her how to be a criminal, like slowly getting her into that lifestyle piece by piece. But then she got kind of like invested in her community. Uh, It's like this kind of weirdly heartwarming leave it to beaver kind of like, well, I I like my community. So she's kind of like our Han Solo. She started out at some point as like devil may care kind of person, but now she's she's doing it for a good cause, man. She, she really cares about the little people. Yeah. Yeah. It it gets right into the, the the two little girls that she had befriended that lived across the the street, uh, that ultimately were, became victims of these cannibals, uh, these cannibal murderers. She, she becomes ingratiated in her community. She, she leaves the thieving life behind. Dick Valentine is in jail. And uh, she she joins stars. That's pretty much where we we leave her off until we it kind of jumps over to uh, the point of view of um, everybody's favorite Chris Redfield, the boy next door, the Captain America, the late, the great Chris. He's not late. He's he's as far as we know, still alive. Chris Boulder Puncher Redfield. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and he's like immediately 
they throw him into like the good cop role. And he's also on top of all of that, he very quickly, they like hint at that. He's not, he's not happy the way this investigation has been going. You know, he's got a bad feeling. He's got a bad feeling. He's got a friend who is on the inside and who's disappeared. Oh yeah. And no one's listening to him. No one's listening to him. And so he's just keeping it to him. So he's like, he's like the scientist in a Roland Emmerich movie. The day after tomorrow is coming and nobody is listening to Chris Redfield. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just, he's just, they're just not listening to him. And I, I, and I love, and speaking of Roland Emmerich, I actually, this is my first quote uh, for this whole thing. Uh, uh, he, he, there's this great exchange, which I was just like, oh, right. This is the nineties. And she's writing for a nineties audience. Right. And it goes like this. Uh, Barry scowled good naturedly. Old Barry could easily kick your ass into next week. Little man. Joseph looked at him mock seriously. Yeah. But would you remember it afterwards? And it's like, like Barry's the older guy in the group. So they're like making fun of the fact that he can't Yeah, like I'm jumping ahead here, but like the whole team. Is- yeah. I, I think it's, and it's this weird, like resonant evil universe ageism where like yeah. Chris is like 24, right? And uh-huh. Jill is 22 and Rebecca is, we haven't met Rebecca yet, but she's 18. You know how she old just turned just 18. Turned 18. You know how old Ugh. Barry is? 38. I think he's 35 in this. No, no, no. He's 38. Oh, he's I 38. Writing that down because that's my age. He's, he's your age. He's 38. He's okay. my age and it really fucked with me. He's, he's 38. <laughs> They're calling him the old man. Right. He's the old man of the group. And it just, yeah. They, they, he's the good natured, grizzled, old veteran of the team at 38 years old. My God. I can't believe they haven't forced him to retire yet. And then, and then, of course, we get in Barry's moment here. We get the intro, uh, basically his the, the intro to the Spencer House, uh, the mysterious Spencer House, and all the dark dark lore associated with it, and its connection to everyone. Hold their breath. The Umbrella Corporation. Oh God, no! Anybody? My above. God. That's the, that's um, that's the name of the book. Uh, <laughs> that's the name of the book. I wonder if there's going to be a conspiracy there. Insert insert Leo DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme. Right. right. <laughs> you know, and it's disappointing, though, because it, I don't recall at any point in these books when a character looks at another character and says, we're facing a resident evil or something. It just doesn't happen. And I feel no, like that's a huge letdown. It is a huge letdown. Um, something I noted about book. Barry and the way he's described, I highlighted it because I thought it was absurd. Barry Burton was only six feet tall, but built like a truck. I noticed that too. I noticed that too. I was like, isn't the average height of a man like five eight? Why is it? Why are you that out? Why are we height shaming Barry Burton? <laughs> Meanwhile, Rebecca was seven and a half feet tall, and Chris Redfield could barely fit over the o- under the overhang of a gas station. <laughs> Everybody else on Stars was at least six foot five. Um, <laughs> it's that's that should be noted. <laughs> at a magnificent nine foot four, Wesker was of average height for the team. <laughs> the hell, I noticed that too. <laughs> 
so yeah, Barry Hitt was only 38. He had been with Stars for 15 years. Uh, yeah, and t- the the lore dump uh, with George Trevor, who yep. is the architect of the Spencer Mansion. Um, the whole George Trevor stuff it's in, it's an interesting piece of lore and information. George Trevor actually doesn't really become super integral to the story until the remake comes out and they really flesh out um his role his involvement and more importantly his i believe it's his daughter is one of the most horrifying villains in the resident evil franchise history um lisa trevor she's basically just this invincible creature that stalks the mansion well that's that's i've always found that sort of thing the adaptation stuff is fascinating because it's like you know how much of this did they give the author and how much of it did the author just kind of wing you know and 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 honestly is there a chance that maybe sd perry wrote something in here that they came back to later and like oh yeah let's put that in the remake or something i, I highly doubt that but you know it I have my doubts, but you know, I, I I don't know. I don't know if if um, you know, if the the Capcom team was was really uh into taking outside sources. I do know it was probably around this time or the year later or a year later when, um, I, I I'm trying to remember who on the Capcom team said it, but uh, they had hired George Romero to write a treatment for the first Resident Evil movie. Oh wow. I did not know that it is. It's actually online. You can it's it's not it's not a treatment. It's a full it's a full on script. It's out there. You can oh, wow. you, if you Google it, you could probably find it online um, and it's fine. It's soup. It's a lot closer to the game than than the the, <laughs> the Resident Evil movie <laughs> that we movie. ended up getting. Uh, it actually yeah. featured the characters from the game in the movie um what that's crazy and, that, that would never work and they said his script was quote not very good <laughs> <laughs> i would probably say that they probably had given sd perry some sort of bible of stuff yeah. that she could put in the book like here's the basic plot of the book and here's some other here's stuff that you find in the mansion that you can kind of fold in move on to chapter two yeah yeah uh these 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 people the whole point is all of these people these stars uh representatives are coming in for a meeting uh they're they've been called to a meeting uh where uh you know they, they they're informed basically that the dead all the people who've been dying it's this it's this you know serial murdery kind of horrific story that's been plaguing the town for for months at this point and all the dead are assumed to have been killed by a cannibalistic cult. Yes. Uh, that's, that's what they go with. That's, that's their only real idea. I, and I just want to read the passage. I highlighted it because, uh, it's like, I, I can't imagine anyone outside of the 1980s saying this with a straight face. Uh, <laughs> this is Jill. She looked up at Wesker and made her pitch. My theory at this point is that there are, there's a possible ritualistic cult hiding in the mountains, four to 11 members strong with guard dogs trained to attack truders in their territory. It's, it's 
sounds like a movie pitch. Like he's in a producer's. <laughs> All right, we're making this movie. All right, so it's a cult. There are killer dogs everywhere. Yeah, and yeah, this will work. The nineties. It's it's basically the that's basically like the plot of Dragnet. The. Right. <laughs> The, the Dan Aykroyd, uh, Tom Hanks, Dragnet. Uh, it's just t- set it in Los Angeles, and there you go. I found it kind of amazing how um, they all kind of agree after that, like when her pitch, they all agree that that's probably there's like, oh, yeah, the that's probably best it, bet. But they also agree that the idea is crazy, which, don't get me wrong, in real life, I would expect that to be their reaction. <laughs> you know, I'm expecting to be like a cannibalistic cult. Really? Uh, Okay. Like, but you know, so there's a level of reality there, which is kind of in contrast to the campiness that resident evil became known for. It's really amusing. actually. And this, this whole scene is happening. They're all gathered around a dry erase board where Wesker is writing down words on the dry erase board as to, well, yeah, this, this, this one word from what you said, yeah, we're going to write this down. So he writes down territoriality. It's a brainstorming session. It's a brainstorming session. Meanwhile, the Bravo team has already left. The Bravo team is already on like an advanced scouting like mission to do. <laughs> Meanwhile, the alphas. It makes me crazy, by the way, that the Bravo team was the one who had left first. That that I, that, that that didn't sit well with me, but that's just a personal thing. Yeah, yeah, it's. No, but you're right, like. You and I have both been in writer's rooms. That's what this is. This is a writer's room. It, it became a writer's room. And I just want right. to rewind back to the beginning because I had to highlight um, one of the things that I am always kind of um, on the lookout for whenever I read the like cop military procedural type things is um, is kind of like a jargon, but out of place jargon. Um, so, uh, who said this? I think I'm assuming it's Wesker saying this, uh, the RPD has already established a perimeter search spanning sectors one, four, seven, and nine. It's the central zones we're concerned with and Bravo will set down here. And I'm like, (laughs) like, it's just, it's meaningless sectors one, four, seven, and nine in the central zones out of how many sectors. And then later, much later, a chapter from now, I was like, well, we're going to have to set down in sector 22. And like, 20, how is it a perimeter? <laughs> what is um, the perimeter? <laughs> is this like a gerrymandered, is this like a gerrymandered yeah. congressional district? <laughs> well, they don't, yeah. <laughs> All right, over in these sectors, everyone's going Republican. It's really the best way. I know it looks weird. <laughs> I know it looks I know like a it fish looks hook. Like a, a T that had sex with a Q. But that's that's the way the people are living. I swear. That's that's the town. It's a weird town. I know. I know. <laughs> now, now uh, yeah. Speaking of Weskers, we do get our introduction to him. He's the the like the new captain. He's a, the the he's very professional. But he's still got to prove himself to the crew. He's that guy. Like, right. Everyone's yeah. everyone's kind of, you know, a little. How's this guy going to how's this guy going to do? He's the new guy, you know, but he's but he's in charge. He's got authority. So no one knows how to take it. 
which is another 90s trope. It, it's beautiful. Yeah. And he's got his aviators and his his high and tight blonde haircut. And I'm not sure they yep. do. They actually do give a physical description of Wesker's hair in this. I'm trying to remember. Not to my not. I don't recall. It's like it's 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 very clear in my mind, like the way sure. Albert <laughs> Wesker looks is is in my head. I can close my eyes and see his face. I don't see eyes. I see sunglasses and the high and tight blonde. It's almost like, you know, if 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 Guile from Street Fighter had realistic hair. <laughs> that's Wesker. Guile from Street Fighter. Had, it's forgotten about his America tattoo and become a contractor. Exactly. He he yeah. he he joined up with Blackwater or one of those those right, mercenary right. groups. <laughs> That, now that would be now that would be a, a dark take on the character. Yeah, no, I've, it's I'm gonna fold, that. I'm gonna fold that into my Street Fighter, uh, yeah. Street Fighter ab- adaptation that I'm. I see that you do that I'm see working that on. Now they've they've been um, they've been uh, yeah, and 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 like you mentioned, they they the the first team, the Bravo team, uh, sent in like they've got they went in first, they radio in, and they almost immediately lose the signal in the copter, uh, which suggests a crash at the Spencer estate. And I've written here in my notes, shit has hit the fan. Oh, yeah. That, it, it, that's how you know. It has. Yeah, that's how you know the game is about to start. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Something, and I don't know if this bothers you as, it, as much as it bothers me, is the consistent use of, of, of copter as opposed to... <laughs> Helic- with, the, with the apostrophe with the apostrophe as or yeah. as opposed to just writing helicopter occasionally um right. copter copter we, to, we really needed to, i would say we really needed to sell, uh save those four letters but we had an apostrophe so it's really the three uh that we're worried about and uh <laughs> let me let me be honest i am a i'm a chopper guy I don't, I don't. I was just gonna say, no one calls them copters. People call them choppers. They're choppers. They're not copters. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a chopper. Good. It's been a chopper since 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 Predator. You can't you can't I, call it. I was it. just gonna say a perfectly good get to the chopper moment. <laughs> Waste it. Never 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 to be seen. Copter just, is just awkward. It's 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 yeah. two, still two syllables. It's, yeah. it, but it's Smothered got that, it's script. got the, the P and the T right next to each other. I, right I, I'm not a fan of Copter. I'm and just, I, I just, I, I'll never, I'll never understand that decision. And it was, a, uh, and it was appearing a lot in this chapter. So I was not, um, it happens a few times. Yeah. Right up until the Copter, uh, disappears. Right until the uh, Copter, they're times. in, uh, sector 22, tail end of C, <laughs> except I've lost the signal. The transmitter is offline, and that's more of the, that's just, you know, more gerrymandering. The chapter does end with the alphas on their way to rescuing the betas, which I have also written here in my notes. Insert MRA joke here. <laughs> well, well, the, you know the, the I mean? bravos, not the betas. <laughs> oh, bravos, bravos. Well, in that case, that was my that was my problem. That's my Freudian the, slip. The men, the you can you can call off the men, men's rights uh, activists. I thank God. The, I'm just I've got well I've got to go talk to somebody. Apparently that was all that was just in my head. <laughs> I, got, I got no one to blame but myself for that. You, the so only person you have to blame is your inner incel. Thank God that guy is a shrimp. I can take him. 
<laughs> a lot of this chapter just felt like filler. You, we we got a lot of little like little vignettes and background of of most of the important players. Now we have this weird little interstitial scene of Jill and a mystery man. Ah, yes. Yes, and that brings us to chapter three. Glorious chapter three, where Jill is confronted in the locker room uh, by a, 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 a mysterious gentleman, let's say, uh, who goes by the name of Trent. Which is the what? most 90s mysterious guy name. <laughs> it truly is. It's like, it could have been Trent, or it could have been like Clive. Like, mm-hmm. those would have been acceptable names for mysterious yeah. trench-coated man. I believe he is wearing a trench coat. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, here, I've, I've got a wonderful uh, piece of quote here okay. that I just I just, I love. This is, this is just brilliant. Uh, uh, this is just the best description of anyone in this book so far. Uh, uh, she trailed off as she shook her, as he shook his head, grinning broadly, his dark eyes twinkling with mirth. You mistake my intentions, Miss Valentine. Excuse my manners, please. My name is Trent, and I'm a friend to the stars. <laughs> uh, and it sounds like he's about to, like, Tell her, like, you know, and if you solve my three riddles, I'll bring you untold riches. Like, <laughs> eyes are twinkling with mirth. as he, And he gives her this, like, disc reader. Yeah, I, I, that are, that, I, I highlighted the eyes twinkling with mirth, grinning broadly. <laughs> what I really like about this book is that w- there are opportunities for the purplest of prose and she goes for it. Yeah. There's some wonderful uh, gore descriptions in this book. Yeah. I have to say for whatever other weaknesses it has, uh, 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 like some of the descriptions of death and mayhem are actually pretty over the top and fun. Yeah, uh, no, they, they work for, re- for, you know, for the brand that works. Oh yeah. It's completely on brand. It's, it, you know, so that, that works, but yeah. And get into this guy. Let me couch all of my criticisms with this. Like everything that happens in the book is actually very on brand for the game itself. Every yes. every bit of dialogue, every it's it's all it all dovetails very nicely into the gore but schlockiness that is Resident Evil. Everything is. serious so self-serious but you can tell there's a little wink a wink and a nod behind it you know it's not very much so it's every it's self-aware at least yes precisely it is not trying to be anything beyond a resident evil novelization you know that's the thing i will say the author she's clearly having fun uh, with a lot of this. And uh, just like that, like any other mysterious man, uh, he was gone. Um, he's gone. He's gone. He's a, like a melodramatic old spy movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that, that is, that is Jill's, Jill's interlude with Trent. Meanwhile, over by the helicopter, um, you know, Wesker's getting a little impatient because Jill is taking her time getting the crap out of the lockers. Yep. 
and, and everyone everyone's taking their time and and I like that uh, we get we get uh, you know everyone's finally showing up piece by piece person by person uh, and we're getting a lot more of that like <sighs> expository sort of like okay you know this is what's happening and we're going and da 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 ETA three minutes all that stuff and then we get this weird moment that happens throughout the book uh, with Chris specifically <laughs> with. Anytime someone of the opposite sex is within 50 feet of Chris. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Do some sort of like, yeah, it's like, like a Jill comes in. She's, she's been taking her sweet time, you know, talking to the mysterious stranger and no one knows where the heck she is. And she kind of like shows up last second. And, and, and the, the quote here is uh, abruptly, she unhooked her belt and moved to sit next to him being Chris. Uh, he caught a faint scent of her skin. A clean, soapy smell, which is the first of our like. Is that meant to be sexual? Like, yeah, there's, for Chris? There's, uh, yeah, there was like a there's a description of his eyes earlier. Um, yeah, in the yeah, previous yeah, yeah. chapter, um, and and then um, there was in the next paragraph. So th- this is the thing: is like. We're reading this as 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 two people in their 30s uh, in a post in a post irony poisoned world in 2021. Yes, which is is a fair point, which is a fair point. (laughs) This was written in 1998. But the next paragraph is her voice was pitched so low. He had to lean in to hear her over the throbbing of the engine. (laughs) And I had to pause for a minute. It was like. Throbbing? How did that's that's an interesting choice of words for for the engine. What are we gonna talk about, Jill? <laughs> Tell me, Jill, what's going on? God. Yeah. Oh yeah. And 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 it's and it's all so she can like she like basically implies to Chris that it's like his misgivings are probably right, and she give because because before Trent and they and they mention Trent in quotes, which I always thought was funny. <laughs> uh, he leaves. He basically gives her the standard X Files: trust no one. Right. Sort of advice. And she passes on the same advice to, to Chris being like, just, just, we should trust nobody because we're mysterious and it's the 90s. It's the, it's, the X-Files is at its peak at the moment. But they, uh, but then we, we uh, so basically everyone, they roll out. They're on their way to go uh, rescue the uh, the Bravos, not the Betas. Uh, we could we could we could lean into them being betas. I'm sure. Well, you know, it, they got they got caught with their pants down. What's more beta than that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's... Or less beta, depending on how you interpret that sentence. <laughs> um, but it, it brings me to my first pointedly, oh, that didn't age well. Quote, uh, and this is for anyone who's reading along on the top of page forty-five, and basically they're going through their guns. Uh, uh, you know, they make a big deal out of uh, uh, Barry's uh, 357 Python. You know, I know, I know exactly what you're gonna, but go go. exactly what I'm getting. (laughs) Yeah, of course you do. (laughs) They make a big damn deal out of out of these these big damn guns. And Joseph, who we will not have to worry about for very long, spoilers, uh, uh, says, "I hope we don't need these." Joseph said, slapping in a clip, and Barry nodded agreement. Just because he paid his dues to the NRA didn't mean he was some trigger-happy dumbass looking to kill. He just liked guns. 
Oh, how the times have changed. Oh, God. This is... If they ever were that way to begin with, I don't. we don't have any evidence that that's really what the NRA was about no, in the 90s. we don't. You can't, anyone who would dare write that sentence in 2021 with a straight face uh, it deserves to be, like, a defense attorney for criminals. Mm. Like, that's just, if you can do that with a, say that with a straight face, then you are... A so, liar on like a Trumpian level scale. 19, I mean, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, who's who? Is it? Is it still Charlton Heston? Uh, <laughs> oh, it would have. I think it. Yeah, Heston. I believe so. Yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know. What actually, died. starting in nineteen ninety eight, he was. Um, when he started? Wow. Yeah, uh, five term oh. president of the NRA from ninety eight to two thousand three. Uh, <laughs> and then it was uh, Wayne Lapierre. Yeah. 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 Um, God, uh, yeah, so cold dead hands, cold dead hands, baby, <laughs> cold dead hands. So, but I'm not a gun nut, I'm not I a gun like, nut, I just like guns. You know, on second thought, the more you the more you delve into the explanation of it, the more you're like, actually, that might still work today, yeah, uh, yeah, uh. so it, it's really, okay. it's really an early heel turn for Barry. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just immediately anyone reading in 2021 is like, I don't know if I should trust this guy. <laughs> he paid our, I don't know if he, said he is who he says he, he is. He did, huh? He paid his dues. Okay. Mm, um, great. Just great. Love that for him. We, we truly love that for Barry. So, yeah, they land. Um, they got their guns. Uh, Barry pays his NRA dues. Yeah, he 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 was he was checking his phone and paying them on their website. He was a this is this is ahead of its time. He was that was how forward thinking Barry was. He was an early adopter yeah. to digital payments to the NR, to NRA Absolutely. specifically. Yeah, everyone told him they would never it would never go anywhere. Who's laughing now? Yeah, and, and then nobody. Right before they get out of the helicopter, Joseph says something like, "Hey, I just got you know I just invested in this thing. It's called Bitcoin." And I got ten mm-hmm. Bitcoin in my in my crypto wallet. Hopefully, nothing happens to me, and and right. and the love of my life is able to access them in the event of my death. And they all and they all like hugged him and, and told him that they would never let anything happen to him. Yeah, and, and he's then a special member of this team. And then there was the a, a standing ovation, and an eagle flew through the air and gutted a liberal college professor. That man was Albert Einstein. Um, and. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it's, and the, and then the book ended. That was, uh, that's the end of the book. Oh. Uh, no, we're just it getting started. It was not a great that was, book, but it was fast. You know that was saying? the, that was the end of chapter three, and uh, now yeah. we're now. We're, <laughs> I'd like to point out here at the beginning of chapter four. I use the word copter. I write copter in my notes. Uh, and I and I and I immediately felt like, oh no, they got me. <laughs> I've been tricked. God damn it. You're a copter person now. You're not a chopper person anymore. I'm a copter person. Oh man. Hey. It's just saying it. I feel like I'm a toddler spinning around with my arms outstretched. I'm a copter. <laughs> they find the Bravos or the betas as as <laughs> they had been referred to. Um, they find correctly. Correctly, they find them. Uh, yeah. Their hel- their their helicopter. Oh yeah, they find the copter. The copter. It's just kind of like smoking and sitting there and not working anymore. 
And so they start spreading out and, you know, doing a little little search in the perimeter. Say, hey, what's up? And then uh, things take a turn for the worse. Uh, the worst. <laughs> uh, when it seems like they they find a hand, uh, yep. a hand, a disembodied hand. Um, and uh, pretty much immediately, uh, our good friend, uh, Bitcoin innovator, Albert Einstein, uh joey boy joseph joey um really just my favorite character in the whole book oh he was so good so good gets his throat ripped out by a dog (laughs) oh just just taken down in the prime of his life three days before retirement down he goes absolutely eviscerated and i'm not just torn it's like torn to shreds you say um (laughs) Just absolutely destroyed by a uh, uh, a dog. Yeah, one of those one of those Zambo dogs. Um, we don't Zambo know that they're zombies yeah. yet. We don't know that they're zombies yet. They are skinless, yet. and that's a they are skinless, giveaway. and that's usually a giveaway that something usually. is wrong with them. You see a skinless dog, usually you're dealing with a zombie. Every now and then, mites. Uh, yeah. but that's mostly it's mostly zombies. Sometimes it's just mange. Bad case of mange. Yeah, exactly. You get cream, steroids, they're fine. But either way, if your dog is, is, if it's mange or zombie and your dog kills Joseph, consider, um, consider a muzzle. That's just good safety practices. Um, Be a, be a good neighbor. Be a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Joseph dies. Joseph's dead. He's dead. He's not coming back. He's dead. He's not coming back. Uh, The team does not take it well. No. He just dies. (laughs) Because Joseph was their favorite, and they they just waste a ton of bullets on these dogs that just aren't dying. They do. They do. They they learn immediately what anyone who's played uh, a Resident Evil game learns pretty quick. Don't don't shoot the dog. Just run. Just you're get, save the ammo and run around it. You're you're better exactly. off just just holding that sprint button because uh, I yeah. gotta tell you they are a son of a bitch to actually hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they are, and it's not worth it. Just run. You'll probably take one hit, but you'll be okay. There's some green herb in the next room. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it's it sucks, and and they are running from these dogs, and then pilot Brad, who's my second favorite character after Joseph. Uh, he chickens out and uh, he takes that uh, copter. He takes it out of there without the team. He flies out well, of there. Is, and Brad, he is like, you know what? Like, I am making a business decision right now. Uh, yeah. And he pieces out. And you know what? Yeah. I was not expecting this out of somebody whose na- nickname is Chicken Heart. I assumed that it was... <laughs> I assumed yeah. that it was like an ironic nickname. It wasn't. It was literal you, nickname, which also speak- you expect you expect more from a guy known as Panty Waist McGee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and they, just, you know, you can't put your faith in anybody these days. No, man. you can't. So uh, yeah, he uh, he pieces out, and um, and they're left holding the doggy bag. Oh. Oh, I see what you did. There. Yeah, I was waiting. I yeah. might insert like a laugh track on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a talk about that. <laughs> um, 
it's just a lot of running. There's pages and pages right. of running. 55 pages of running. I'm not screwing with you people. It's a lot of running. It's a lot of running, lungs aching. And finally, they they get to the mansion, which, you know, Wesker has led them to more or less. Maybe Wesker isn't what he seems. Ooh. <gasps> but yeah, Wesker kind of knew exactly where the mansion was from. They are now in the mansion where the evil has taken residence. Boo. Look at what you did! Look at what you did! Kevin! Kevin! Oh, I'm not mad. I'm impressed. <laughs> Our chapter ends with Wesker silently cursing Brad Vickers again and wondered if they were any better off inside than out. And that is what we call foreshadowing. That's, oh, the foreshadowing. Somewhere... A foreshadowing angel got its wings. <laughs> Just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. All right, so we're 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 cooking now. We're cooking a little bit. Yeah. We're in chapter five. Um mm-hmm. what's what's going on in chapter five here? Now, well, in chapter five, we get, you know, it's it actually it, I, I heard the music in my head. Now, I didn't play. I never finished Resident Evil one, uh, but I played the crap out of Resident Evil two. And the moment you get into that mansion uh, and that it just you can hear that sparse, weird piano music in my head. And that that's the thing about this book. You can't help but feel uh, correctly, I believe, yeah. uh, that this book is written for people who have played the game. Yeah, it's it. Uh, this is not for people who are here. Let's be honest. There are probably some people out there that were only allowed to, allowed to read the books and couldn't play the game or 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 whatever. Sure. But it, the target sure. audience of this book is people who could see the game room by room in their head. Yeah, yeah, and and. And the whole thing, and and I think this is actually a pretty decent, kind of almost, kind of a vaguely cosmic horror uh, description on page 56, uh, without having to get into a ton of the details. Uh, we've got a quote here that says, uh, Jill took a deep breath and decided immediately that she didn't like it. There was a sense of wrongness to the vast room, an atmosphere of vague oppression. It felt haunted somehow, though by who or what she couldn't say. Uh, and I really do not appreciate uh, the description of my bedroom in 2021. <laughs> but that's... We have fun here. We have fun here on, on Pixel Lit. And there's an offhand mention, by the way, of an antique typewriter. I like that th- that that she folded the, the literal typewriter at which you save your game into the book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little Easter egg. And there are a few of those uh, in the book, uh, but that's that's the first one that I noticed where it was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I see what you did there. Yep. And uh, so they're all they're all kind of taking their time. And, and Chris uh, decides that he's going to go and inspect a noise that they all hear, which, as we all know, is always the smartest uh, decision. Yeah. You know, go by yourself to inspect the noise after you've been chased by uh, uh, mange-ridden uh, zombie dogs. S.T. Perry actually writes in something about the stars are trained to actually go off on their own or to to 
move without partners or backup or something like that. Yes, she did. And that's good writing, actually. That's it. Well, not well, it's not good writing, but it's it's at least some level of an expert. It's like it, <laughs> I, I, I give her a ton of credit for justifying for writing in justifications for dumb decisions that characters make. That's the reason you never hear about the stars anymore. They all died one by one. We'd love to tell you how they died, but they were all by themselves and we never found out. We never found out. They all disappeared. Never found out. They literally went extinct. Shriners had a longer legacy than stars. I highlighted this. That Beretta that Joseph had found out in the field, the pale blood blood spattered fingers still wrapped around it. A stars team member dead or dying. And thanks to Brad, they didn't even have a Band-Aid to offer. And I was just thinking, like, oh, yeah. I, I think somebody who's missing their hand is going to need a lot more than a Band-Aid. Hey, hey, listen, I know that your your uh, your hand is missing, but don't worry. I've got a SpongeBob Band-Aid. Although anyone who's played Resident Evil 7 knows that hands can be reattached with, you know, basic basic tools. You just so. need a staple gun and some of that goop yep. to pour on it, and yep. you're good to go. Yeah. And a, and a few rednecks to help you out. Yeah. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. There's that novelization. I agree with that. I'm sure it... Actually, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm sure it exists, but I would love it to exist, and actually, I would love... We will find out. I, w- I wouldn't mind writing it myself. Uh, oh, God, I'd have fun with that one. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Telling you what, right at this point, uh, listeners, uh, the newest Resident Evil game, Resident Evil Village, uh, has not yet been released. Um, but I have already preemptively been uh, denied the opportunity to write the novelization of that one uh, because they did not, uh, they got the 150 page fan fiction of the 900 foot tall. A uh, woman with the boobs in the hat uh, from me, uh, with the um, with the Mary Sue key, uh, character Bill Feeling, uh, and uh, they really did not. They didn't take me seriously. They, they uh, didn't appreciate that one. No, oh, they did not appreciate uh. that. Um, they didn't. They didn't get what I was. They didn't. They didn't pick up what I was putting. Down. You know, I think you uh. should really just carry on with that fan fiction, though. I yeah. mean. Oh, yeah. No, I, I just hit my 500th page. Our second child was born recently. Let me tell you, the uh, Internet will celebrate it. It will. The Internet celebrates a lot of weird stuff, and that's one of them that I know. I know I'll find my tribe uh, through that one. I suppose this is a good time to announce that uh, I recently became engaged. Uh, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, I've congratulated you several times, not on a podcast, I, but. She is really over my crush on uh, Lady oh, I, I, I. Yeah, I, I bet. That's why I never even mentioned it to my wife. Oh, you're a, you're a smarter man. Uh, <laughs> it was not. She is over it. Her her, uh, her biggest complaint was, "Who wears a hat that big? It's not practical." And I and I knew. I was like, "There she is. She's the one." There it is. That's that's uh, that's the woman so, for me. <laughs> the woman. She's the one. So uh, while while he's investigating, uh, Chris finds our first zombie round of applause and uh and he's remarkably intuitive about it too i got a quote here uh from page 62 
where uh, it says, uh, he hit the door with one shoulder, was vaguely aware that it latched closed behind him as he stared at the fallen, stinking heap. Dead. That thing's the walking goddamn dead. All in hyphens. Uh, <laughs> the cannibal attacks in Raccoon, all of them near the forest. He'd seen enough late night movies to know what he was looking at, but he still couldn't believe it. Zombies. Yes. So we get, we cut yes. straight to the core here. I actually really appreciated this because let me tell you, one of my pet peeves about almost every piece of zombie fiction that has come out in the past uh, 20 or so years, uh, aside from Resident Evil, is the refusal to just actually acknowledge them for what they are. Um, oh, yeah. So like yeah. The Walking Dead is like, oh, the walkers or the, the blah, blah, blahs or the whatever, you know, right. pick a pick, pick some sort of. It's not like it's not like zombie is a copy copyrighted term, but they've it's like kind of gauche to call them a zombie. I guess you, you come off as like cheesy and right. Funny. Just like know. just it's, just call them a zombie. Come on, get it over yeah, with. We all know what we're stop trying with. to construct some new. It's it's basically that scene from from Mean Girls. Um, stop, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> right, right. Stop trying to make Walker happen. <laughs> and um, we are sick of it. We do not watch your show anymore. Uh, Miss Perry, uh, S.D. Perry, she just she just writes that. Oh, he's seen the movies. He knows what he's looking at. It's a zombie. Right. And, and meanwhile, right. in every movie in the past twenty years, it's like, oh, what is it? it it's it's the it's the undead. Blah blah blah. And they somehow they ought to be dead. They ought to be. Ugh. They never. They somehow. No dance around using the term zombie for like 20 goddamn minutes until some slang term right. pops up. And it infuriates yeah. me because it is, it is, it, it just feels like it's, it's a writer who is just yeah. tap dancing around and is just like, look at how clever I am. Say the word. Look at how yeah. clever I am. Just uh -huh. say it. Just, just go Z O M B I E period. News. Just move on with your goddamn story. Right. They want to. They want to make their own version of it. They want to brand their own thing. And it's like, come on, man. You didn't invent. You did. Like, let's. You didn't invent this. this. You're. You're. It's like. It's like having vampires and then never using the term vampire. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's like a it's vampire. Silly. The masquerade had somehow called itself Vampire the Masquerade and never used vampires otherwise or something like that. It's well, like just I am gonna I, I am gonna point out as as a huge vampire the masquerade fan, they actually do avoid using vampire pretty frequently. They're either called kindred or canines. You know, that's uh, because that's, uh, today I learned. Yeah, there you go. They uh they they do they do have a lot of but it's it's a little more gracefully done, I find, and it it's got decades of crap to back it up. But, and I also, it's my favorite role-playing game, so maybe I forgive it for that. But otherwise, you're absolutely right. You need to stop this stupid shit. Everyone else, other than the thing that I like, is wrong. <laughs> Just call it the thing that and it I, is. That's all I'm saying. The thing that it is. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and speaking of that writing there, uh, there was there's actually some really gruesome uh, stuff described here. And I will say that the thing that uh, impressed me... Uh, that continues on, by the way. She doesn't she doesn't do it once and forget about it, the author. Um, she describes the stink of the corpses. Yeah. The walking corpses. And that's like one of the one things that you're not gonna be able to experience in the video game. 
and she kind of grabs onto that so that it, it it's like a really clever way of, of uh establishing the difference between reading a book of resident it, evil and and playing the game and i appreciate that yeah. as, you know adaptation that was that was kind of cool that she does a it's good leaning job into before. the strength of the different medium it's one of the last times she'll be able to do that in this book by the way so strap in <laughs> uh, it's it's one of the last moments that you're like oh i see why they made this into a book and and like there's there's some okay yeah there's a value here like it's it's one of the last moments so really really savor that uh, also i i really enjoyed that she 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 wrote this sentence behind him a wet movement i i never knew that i needed to hear the word wet used like that until that Holy. moment oh yeah that's that that's like a ooh that's a that's a morning that's the only way you can describe a uh, morning after a night of drinking gin, a wet movement. Oh, it's, um, it is. It is not pleasant. You're not proud of yourself. It's not a BM. It's you a might WM. Be a <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> God, I really. I just want the listeners to to get to know who I am right off the bat. That's 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 I'm establishing my character here. Gin and wine and southern is three words that really that's, come up. <laughs> Right away. It's pretty much me. Gin and wine and southern. Yeah. That's I mean, you know what? I'm not gonna argue with that. That's uh that's about it. That's pretty solid, to be completely honest. I, I think I'm just disappointed that you got my number that <laughs> There's there's a brief interlude where they write about um we we hear about Barry's wet work that he did down in Ecuador. Oh right. Right. <laughs> Some random ass. Yeah. Barry had once done covert hostage rescue in Ecuador, where a group of farmers had been held for weeks by a band of insane guerrilla rebel, rebels. Several of the hostages had been killed early in the siege, and after the stars managed to capture the rebels, Barry had gone with one of the survivors to record the deaths. Their four victims had been shot, their bodies dumped behind the small wooden shack after the rebels had taken over. Yeah, he has... He has his, like, Alfred, some people just want to watch the world burn moment. It was basically the only reason it gets brought brought up is because the zombies remind him of the dead farmers who had been left out in the sun and their skin had been, like, peeled back and all that stuff. As the book really gets into it, and as you mentioned earlier, yeah, she really doesn't hold back on the descriptions of dead bodies. No, it's, it's, and you know, if you're a gore fan, if you like horror stuff, that, that's, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. It's well-written. Hey, thanks for listening to episode one of Pixel It. If you haven't already, subscribe and leave a five-star rating. On the next episode, we dive deeper into Resident Evil, The Umbrella Conspiracy. Here's a sneak peek right now. Not to get off on too much of a tangent, but, you know, we're here. Um, we're here. <laughs> It's that time. It's that time. And I swear, ladies and gentlemen, and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get past a few more chapters tonight. Don't you worry, but... We're not. We're not. This is as far as we go. They go back to the the fancy-ass atrium of the estate, and Wesker Mm -hmm. is gone. And a loud chord plays. This is just a reminder for later, uh, future Kevin, make sure you cut it out. Insert a loud MIDI chord being played. Thanks, man. You're the best.
future Kevin, you're, you are, you are, you're doing God's work, my friend. Yeah, he's, he's a really great guy and he's 100% for sure going to cut all this back and forth about the MIDI chords out. But we know they're there. We know they're around. We know they're around. They're not Bigfoot. Zombies yeah. are more like Bigfoot. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, probably even less plausible than, than Bigfoot because we have photos of Bigfoot. <laughs> and also less friendly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, that, like Bigfoot, like if I found out Bigfoot was real tomorrow, I'd be kind of pumped. If I found out zombies were real tomorrow, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I wouldn't feel good. I'm not feeling good thinking about it right now. 